You're listening to the Grace Covenant Statesville audio podcast. Well, grab your Bibles. Look with me, if you would, to the Gospel of John, chapter 6. Sermon notes there. If you haven't downloaded the app, I would encourage you to do that. You can get the sermon notes right on your phone or uh, your iPad. Fill in the blanks right on your phone. Um, If you haven't done that yet, grab the sermon notes. This morning, we're continuing this series, Did Jesus Really Say That? As we're looking at some of the hard sayings of Jesus. You know, what's pretty clear as we look to the teachings of Jesus as recorded in the Gospels is that Jesus was not real concerned with attracting crowds. And he was not real concerned about being popular either. Actually, he was more concerned about calling people to a radical relationship with God than just making them happy. He was more concerned about calling them to a life of holiness than just a a life of, of happiness. You know, the problem today is that people are looking for a Jesus that makes them happy. Right? We're looking for that of the way of convenience. We see the reality of this interesting in a recent advertised baby doll that was created. It was a huggable, washable, and talking Jesus doll. You could actually order, and and uh, this doll would uh, would have paraphrased sayings of Jesus, like pull the string. You would hear something like, "I have an exciting plan for your life," and or "Your life matters so much." And and I I do believe that Jesus has a wonderful plan for our lives. Would you agree with that? He has a wonderful plan for our lives. But listen, Jesus is not like some cosmic genie granting us our every want and our every wish. He is the Son of God who came to do this, who came to bring redemption for mankind. And so oftentimes in the midst of um, his teaching, as we look to the gospel, Jesus had these hard sayings. And and the hard saying we want to look at this morning, I don't believe is quite so difficult for us because we're able to look back to the provision in the cross. But the scripture we're going to read this morning for the good Jewish people who were there that day, this was a hard saying. This was a difficult saying. This was an offensive saying. As Jesus spoke of the reality of eating his flesh and drinking his blood. So let me ask you a question this morning. If someone were to randomly come up to you and say, hey, you've got to eat my flesh, how would you respond? I would think, Wow. I'm talking to someone who's either weird or they've been smoking too much stuff, right? <laughs> if someone came up to me and said, hey, you got to eat my flesh, I think I would run in the other direction. I'm always up for a good steak, but the eating of human flesh is not real appealing to me. But these were the very words that Jesus spoke, and they were not received very well. So we're going to read this in the text this morning. Right after this hard saying, the Scripture says quite a number of people who heard the words that Jesus spoke left. They thought he had lost his mind. This whole thought of, of eating his flesh and drinking his blood was repulsive to them. Therefore, they, they turned away and they no longer followed Jesus. Now, Jesus was not literally calling people to eat his flesh and drink his blood, but this is what he was calling them to. He was calling them to full engagement. He was calling the people that day the full partnership. He was calling them not just to be fans, but to be followers. And I believe he's looking for and calling people today to that same kind of relationship, that same kind of commitment from every race, every group of people. What's Jesus? He's calling us to fully engage, to fully participate in that of his provision for our lives now to fully experience the life of jesus one must fully embrace the provision that jesus provides 
There's no half in, there's no like partial commitment. Either you're all in or you're all out. Like there's, there's no half in here. See, the dilemma of humanity, the crisis of humanity is that due to our sin, due to our failure, we're, we're separated from God. There's absolutely no way we, we can make ourselves right with God. Like, I can't be good enough. You can't be good enough. You can't be right enough. That's the dilemma of humanity. I mean, if you can think of it like this, we had a problem that we could not resolve. So what did God do? God acted on our behalf. He sent His Son into the world to solve our problem. Paul says, summarizes it really well. In 2 Corinthians 5.21, he wrote these words, that God sent Him, Jesus, who had no sin, to be sin for us, so that in Him, in Christ, we might become the righteousness of God. That in Christ, we might have our dilemma resolved. But for that to become a reality, this is what it requires of every individual. It requires a decision. It requires us to take a point of action. It requires us to fully engage, to fully participate in what Christ has made available for us through the cross. So Jesus here, speaking of that reality, he says, you've got to eat my flesh and, and drink my blood. And it was this that offended the crowd. So let's, let's actually read what Jesus said. And we're picking up, you, you need to see the broader context here of all that happened in the day. If you go back to the beginning of John 6, it was, then, it was on this day that Jesus took the boy's lunch. He multiplied it and fed 5,000 and then coming toward the end of the day, there's this point of, um, if you will, conflict where Jesus brings this tough saying, this hard saying. So I want to pick up kind of halfway through the story for the sake of time. Uh, John 6, verse 52. Then the Jews began to argue sharply among themselves, how can this man give us his flesh to eat? Jesus said to them, I tell you the truth, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise him up at the last day. For my flesh is real food, and my blood is real drink. Sounds pretty gross, doesn't it? Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood remains in me, and I in him. Just as the living Father sent me, and I live because of the Father, so the one who feeds on me will live because of me. This is the bread that came down from heaven. Your, your forefathers ate manna and died, but he who feeds on the bread will live forever. He said this while teaching in the synagogue at Capernaum. On hearing it, many of his disciples said, this is a hard teaching. Who can accept it? Aware that his disciples were grumbling about this, Jesus said to them, does this offend you? What if you see the Son of Man ascend to where he was before? The Spirit gives life. The flesh counts for nothing. The words I have spoken to you are spirit and they are life. Yet there are some of you who do not believe. For Jesus had known from the beginning which of them did not believe and who would betray him. He went on to say, this is why I told you that no one can come to me unless the Father has enabled him. From this time, many of his disciples turned back and no longer followed him. Do you want to leave too? Jesus asked the twelve. Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. We believe and know that you are the Holy One of God. 
Now, if we had been present during this dialogue on this particular day, I think it was a situation where you would have been able to feel the tension in the room. Because the scripture says the Jews were arguing amongst themselves, that there was this heightened level of, of debate going on. So they're arguing among themselves, they're debating with Jesus. I think the scene here was a little bit like what happened on the Senate floor this past week as they were um, discussing Obamacare. I mean, we had the, the Democrats quick uh, arguing with the Republicans. We had the Republicans arguing with the Republicans, and no one could figure out what to do. It was a pretty tense situation. Well, that's kind of like what it was here on this day. I mean, the heat was on. The Jews were not only shocked that Jesus said they had to eat his flesh and blood, but they were highly offended. Because most of them that were there that day for what they could get. They were looking for, because just, just a little earlier, Jesus had taken little boys to lunch, multiplied it, and they had like free lunch. How I many you know everybody loves free lunch? Come on. If somebody was going to buy your lunch today, you would say, I'm in. Right? We all love a free lunch. They were there looking either for lunch or they were looking for the deliverer, but they were not looking for a deliverer that would go the way of the cross. They were looking for a deliverer that would overthrow the Roman rule. So they were there because they were wanting something. They were there to receive something. And Jesus throws this huge challenge at them that shocks them, that offends them. He says, you've got to eat my flesh and drink my blood. So let's first, let's first this morning talk about what was Jesus not saying. It's important that we understand what he was not saying as we looked at this hard saying. First, Jesus was not calling the Jews to break the law. I mean, it was clear in the law, looking back to the book of Leviticus chapter 17, verse 11 and 12, God had clearly forbidden the drinking of blood, whether the blood of animals or the blood of humans. He says it's totally off limits. Blood was to be used for the atonement. Therefore, um, you, they were not to eat or drink blood. So Jesus was not saying, you've got to drink my blood, and in that and through that, break the law. So he was not first, he was not calling to break the law, because these are good Jewish folks who, from like being a young child, they would have been taught, you know, you don't drink blood, you don't, you don't uh, ingest blood. So first, Jesus was not calling them to break the law. Second, Jesus was not promoting cannibalism. It was not like, hey, if you're going to be my follower, you've got to eat some of my flesh. As I said earlier, I'm, I'm really not into like eating human flesh. I'm good for some fried chicken. I'm good for some pork barbecue. I like a good steak every once in a while, but human flesh is not appealing to me. How many of you are glad that you don't have to eat human flesh to be a follower of Jesus? Come on. I'm glad for grace today that makes way, what, for right relationship. There's not, you know, we've got to stand in line. Okay, we've got to eat some flesh today to have it. No, Jesus was not promoting cannibalism. So he was not calling him to break the law. He was not promoting cannibalism. Actually, Jesus was not even speaking literally. He was speaking figuratively. In other words, he was using a figure of speech to draw, uh, to draw an illustration, to give a word picture. So what is a figure of speech? A figure of speech is that which you take something and you make a statement, an exaggeration, if you will, to drive home a point. I mean, we do this all the time in our communication, right? Maybe you've heard someone say this. I know I say this all the time. Man, I'm so hungry, I could eat a cow. Now, how many of you know I couldn't eat a cow? I, I couldn't eat half a cow. I couldn't eat a quarter of a cow. So what? It's an exaggeration to emphasize what I'm really hungry, Right? Or, I've, I've said this before, maybe you have, boy, my, my grandma, she's old as the hills. 
Well, obviously, Grandma's not old as the hills, right? But but what I'm 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 making an exaggerated statement to illustrate she may not be old as the hills, but she's pretty old, right? Well, that's kind of what Jesus is doing here. He's using a figure of speech. He's speaking figuratively, not literally. And in this, he's drawing this picture of you've got to fully ingest me. You have to fully receive me. That's what he was trying to communicate. But even with this understanding, it it was hard for the Jews to receive Jesus' word because because they were looking again for a Messiah that was going to be a deliverer, not one who was going to die. And this whole eating his flesh, drinking his blood spoke of death. So that's what Jesus was not saying. Let's talk about what he was saying. I think first and foremost, Jesus was going right to the issue of the heart. And this is what he was saying, motive matters. Motive matters. If you look back to verse 26, John 6, 26, Jesus gets right to the issue. He says, you're following me today because I fed you. You're following me today because your motive is, is you want more free lunch. Jesus went right to the heart of the issue. He says, you're following me for what you can get. You're not following me because of who I am. I am the Son of God who's come to give life. I am the bread of life that's come down from heaven. So Jesus goes right after the motive. And I'm telling you, folks, motive really matters. 1 Samuel 16, verse, I think it's 7. The Scripture says that man looks at the outward appearance, but God looks at the heart. You and I don't have that ability. But Jesus looks right to the heart of the issue. And motive really matters when we talk about our pursuit of Christ, when we talk about relationship with Christ. Here's the question. Are you in it for what you can get? Are you in it because of who Jesus is? If you're following Christ today for what you can get, I'm telling you, you're going to end up being really disappointed. Why? Because you have a wrong motive. First, Jesus is addressing here motive. Motive really matters. I I think secondly, the second truth that Jesus is communicating is this. Knowledge is not enough. If you look back to John 6.53, Jesus said, I tell you the truth, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink His blood, you have no life in you. Listen, we're saved not by what we know, but who we know. Not by what we know. I'm not against knowledge. I think you should learn all you can learn. I think you should be a a student of God's Word. But listen, you cannot come to a place of salvation by gaining knowledge. You cannot come to a place of salvation by memorizing Scripture. I'm all for that. You can't come to salvation simply by attending church and gaining information. You come to salvation only by fully embracing the provision of Jesus Christ. That is the only way of salvation. Knowledge knowledge is not enough. I think of the story of the rich young ruler in Matthew 18. Obviously, the young man had knowledge. Because he comes and he addresses Jesus as the good teacher. And And he says... Uh, you know, how can I have eternal life? So he had enough knowledge to know that Jesus had the answer to eternal life. And Jesus said, well, you need to keep the laws. You know, he says, which ones? Jesus identified a few. He says, I have kept all of those. So what? The rich young ruler had knowledge. He had understanding. Yet the scripture says that he went away sad when Jesus challenged him. You need to sell what you have. Give it to the poor. Come follow me. The scripture says he went away sad he walked away from eternal life. He had knowledge, but he didn't have 
life. I think what Jesus is communicating here is that knowledge is not enough. It's not enough just to to know that Jesus is the Son of God. It's not enough to be able to quote some verses of Scripture. We must come to the place that we fully engage, that we fully receive, that we fully participate. That's why Jesus is saying, you've got to eat my flesh and drink my blood. He said, it's not enough just to have like a taste. He says, you've got to fully ingest Christ, fully, fully receive him. So knowledge, knowledge is not enough. I think the third thing that Jesus is saying here is that eternal life requires a decision. A decision to fully embrace and receive Jesus Christ's provisions through the cross. If you look to John 6.54, Jesus said, Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise him up at the last day. And the miracle of salvation happens when someone believes that Jesus Christ is the Son of God who was crucified and resurrected, and they receive him as their Savior. Romans 10, 9 and 10 makes this so clear. It says, if we confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in our heart that God has raised Him from the dead, we will be saved. But the eternal life requires a decision. And that's what Jesus is calling the, the good folks to on this day in John 6. He's calling them to a decision. He's saying if you want eternal life, it requires a decision. And the decision is, is you have to fully receive me. You have to fully engage in the life that I have to offer. Not only does eternal life require a decision, but abundant life requires a commitment. So we have eternal life requires a decision. Abundant life requires a commitment. Now, I happen to believe in my theology that it's possible for a person to be completely saved, but not fully living in the abundant life that Jesus offers. To be completely saved but not fully living in the fullness of all that Christ has for us. To experience the abundant life Jesus offers, we have to make the decision to live in Christ. That's the key, to live in Christ. Look back to verse 57. This is really, I think, a critical verse in Jesus' conversation. Verse 57, Jesus says, Just as the living Father sent me, and I live because of the Father, so the one who gets this, Feeds on me. Feed, that's the key. The one who feeds on me will live because of me. Hey, we're saved in a moment by making a decision. But to fully experience Jesus Christ in our lives, we have to make a commitment to abide in Him, to live in Him, to feed on Him. So how does overflow of life come? Because in John 10.10, 10, Jesus said, I've come that you might have life. And have life in abundance, life in overflow. So how do we get the life in overflow? Listen, we have to live in Christ. We have to feed on Christ. We have to abide. In John 15, the passage of Scripture, like in verses 1 through 10, Jesus says, you know, I'm the vine, you're the branches. He says, if you want life, if you want to be fruitful, if you want to, if you want to come to the fullness of all that I have for you, you have to remain, you have to abide. That's the very thing that Jesus is saying here. He's saying abundant life requires a commitment. So eternal life requires a decision. At this point, Jesus becomes your Savior. Abundant life requires a commitment. And at this point, Jesus becomes your Lord. So what to, to, fully, to fully live in Christ, to fully receive all that He has for you. You know, just as Jesus was calling 
the crowd the full participation and total commitment i believe he's calling each of us to the same so what's jesus calling you today he's calling you to fully participate in all that is he's calling you to eat his flesh as gross as that sounds to eat his flesh and to drink his blood listen you cannot be a casual observer and a follower of jesus christ at the same time won't work you can't just have knowledge of Jesus and be a follower of Jesus. You, you, you cannot just attend some church services and be a follower of Jesus. Again, what do you have to do? You have to eat His flesh. You have to, you have to drink His blood to have abundant life and eternal life. It requires this. It requires full participation. There were individuals that day who had been following Jesus, who decided they no longer wanted to follow Jesus. Why? Because they didn't want to be all in. They didn't want to be like fully participating, engaging fully in what Christ provided. And I would say the challenge, the call is the same today. Jesus saying, if you want to be my follower, this is what it requires. All in for participation. Fully received. Fully receive all that. And so, so why did why did some of Jesus' followers leave? Let, let me leave you with this. I, I believe there's at least three reasons. And each of these reasons I think are pertinent for us today. I think first they left because Jesus was calling them from religion to relationship. I said, every one of those Jews that would have been there that day had at least some religion, some had a lot of religion. What was Jesus calling them to? He was calling them away from rules and rituals and religion to a life-giving relationship. And he's calling us to the same. But here's the challenge. Listen, I've been in church all my life, born on Wednesday and church on Sunday. I'm 53, and I haven't missed many Sundays since. As a preacher's kid, it was not an option as to whether we went or not. We were always there. I've been in church all my life, and this is one of the things I've come to discover. Sad to say, but even still today, especially in the Bible Belt of the South. Oftentimes, individuals are so committed to their religion that they're missing relationship with Jesus Christ. And I'm telling you, Jesus is calling you to walk away from the religion to embrace a relationship that's, that's about eating His flesh and drinking His blood. The crowd that day, said, for some of them, it was too difficult. Why? They were more committed to their religion then they were interested in life-giving relationship. I think the second reason that many of the followers left was because Jesus was calling them from being recipients to partners. He was calling them to move from just receiving to actually partnering with. And one of the things I've come to discover is everybody wants in if it's free. As long as we can be recipients, as long as we can receive, Jesus was calling them from, hey, a free lunch to make a commitment. He was calling them to be partners. And for some, they said, not interested. I'm telling you, he's calling us to the same today. What he's calling us from just being recipients, here, Jesus, bless me, to partners, I'm all in. All in. Fully committed. I, I think third reason many of the followers left was because Jesus was calling them from being casual followers to committed disciples 
He was calling them to fully embrace and receive Him as the Son of God. It was not enough just to observe the teachings of Jesus. It was not enough just to watch the miracles. He was calling them to a higher level of commitment. And I'm convinced, listen, every day, what's Jesus Christ calling you to? He's calling you to a higher level of commitment. He's calling you to get unstuck in the stuff of the past to come and engage in a greater way in relationship with Him. And it's about eating His flesh and drinking His blood. It's about full participation. It's about fully ingesting. Hey, here's one of the things I've come to discover about us. We're pretty good at Jesus tasting, not Jesus feasting. I'll, I'll have just a little taste of Jesus. And he said, no, I'm calling you to fully ingest me. That I might rule in your life. That I might reign in your life. And that's why, that's why many of the followers left. They said, wow. That price is too high. The ask is too big. They didn't want to be all in. And you know the interesting thing about this in this story is Jesus didn't run after them. It's not like he was like, you know, I need them to make me feel. No, he, he let the people leave. He didn't lower the bar. He didn't lower the ask. He says, no, this is what I'm requiring. If you want to be my follower, you got to be all in. You gotta fully participate, fully engage, fully receive all that I am. It's the only way. And quite a number of life. And what did they walk away from? They walked away from life. They walked away from the solution to their greatest problem. They walked away from the fullness of life that can only be found in Jesus Christ. That's what they walked. May we not be those who walk away, but may we be those who say, God, we're all in. We're all in. We want to fully fully receive all that you are. And as we conclude this morning, I thought a great way for us like to bring um, to bring a closure, to bring all of this together this morning is actually to take the words of Jesus and put it into action as we would celebrate Holy Communion. So, servers, if, if you would go ahead and pass out the bread and the cup. Here at Grace Covenant, we have open communion. So if you're a follower of Jesus, we invite you to celebrate with us. And I'm going to ask if you would, if you would take the bread and the cup and if you would just hold it there just for a moment. And I want to talk with you about the very elements that you're receiving this morning so not literally but figuratively today we're going to eat the flesh of Jesus then we're going to drink his blood today we want to fully receive Jesus Christ's provision for our lives and if you're here this morning and, and you've never opened your life to Christ can I tell you that God loves you outrageously? He's got a wonderful plan for your life. He has life for you. But as I said earlier, listen, eternal life requires a decision. And it's a decision to say, God, I need you in my life. So if you're here this morning and you've not made that decision, you've not prayed that prayer, then I would encourage you this morning, right now, it's as simple as this, Lord, forgive me. Come into my heart. Be my Lord and Savior. 
Today I receive you. Today I, I fully open my life to you. So that you, I, I would just encourage you right there where you're seated to make that decision. Possibly you've already come to that point of salvation, but if, if you were just to be honest in the assessment of your, of your life, you would identify yourself today as a casual follower, not a committed follower. And, and can I tell you this morning that, that Jesus is calling you deeper. He's calling you to fully embrace His Lordship of your life. To eat of His flesh. To drink of His blood. To ingest Him. Well, maybe that's a decision you need to make this morning. Simply to say, Jesus, I, I give you the right to be Lord of my life. I submit to your Lordship as I receive your provision for my life today. The Gospel of Matthew, verse 26, chapter 26. Just before going to the cross, Jesus was celebrating the Passover with the disciples. And I want you to listen to what he said. Matthew 26, verse 26. Says while they were eating, Jesus took bread, he gave thanks and broke it. And he gave it to his disciples, saying, Take, eat, this is my body. Then he took the cup and he gave thanks, and he offered to them, saying, Drink from it, all of you. This is the blood of the covenant which I poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. As you're holding the elements there in your hands, I would just ask that you would look at them just for a moment. You look at them while I'm talking. Can I tell you what you're holding in your hands this morning? It's not just bread and juice. It, it is bread and juice, but it, it's so much more. What are you holding in your hands? You're holding God's solution to humanity's crisis. God's solution to man's greatest need. What are you holding in your hands this morning? Let me tell you what you're holding. You're holding mercy and grace. You want to know what mercy and grace looks like? You have it in your hands this morning. The wonder of God's mercy and that He didn't give us what we deserve. The wonder of His grace that He gave us what we could never earn. What through the provision of the cross as we would eat His flesh and drink His blood. And what are you holding in your hands? You're taking the body of Christ and the blood of Christ that was given you might have life. Lord, we thank you this morning for your rescue of our lives. God, we thank you that in your love you set forth this outrageous plan that you would send your son who would be without sin, who would die and be resurrected to life, that we might have life. Lord, this morning we humbly come and we eat your flesh and we drink your blood. This morning we fully receive your provision for our lives. And we do it with gratitude. With gratitude for your rescue, your redemption, your reconciliation, and your restoration. For more information on Grace Covenant Church, our service times, ministry opportunities, directions, and more, visit us at gracecovenant.org.